Thank you for tuning in to the Verb Church podcast. For more information about Verb Church, you can go to myverb.church. Now, here's Pastor Shane Tarpley with today's message. You guys ready for the word this morning? Go ahead, turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to be looking at the first two verses, and then we're going to skip down to verse 12. So while you're finding that, I know it'll be on the screen, but let me just say that the holidays are rolling up on us, all right? And But uh, for some reason, when the holidays come, people always get in this spirit of giving, don't they? Like, there's something about it that pulls on our heartstrings, that we'll see a commercial, or we'll be involved in something. We do something around the church every Christmas um, called uh, Angel Tree, And so, you know, everybody always gets very giving and generous during the holidays. But then as soon as the holidays are over, it's like that spirit of generosity leaves with the holidays, doesn't it? I don't know what it is. So um, the thing is, we're conditioned as people living in this world to get ours first. To keep what we earn. We earn it, it's mine, I'm putting it in the bank, nobody else is getting it, right? That's the way we're taught. And so today, through this principle of first, I hope that you'll start to see things a little bit differently, all right? And so we read Exodus chapter 13, 1 through 2, and then verse 12. You're going to kind of pick up on some things, and maybe you're like, man, what does this have to do with with giving and being the blessed life and all this stuff? But just hang with me, because by the end of this, you're really going to, it's really going to open your eyes, all right? So Exodus 13, 1 through 2 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Belongs to me. Skip on down to verse 12. It says, You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. All right, I want us to understand something. That when we read this, and when it says the phrase, it belongs to me, or it belongs to him, another translation says that it is mine. It is mine, all right? So I want to unpack this topic today of the principle of first, and I want to give you three principles today that I believe are really going to impact your life. Now, here's the thing. Throughout all of this teaching... If you don't apply these principles to your life, listening to them is not going to do you any good. Like this teaching, more than any other teaching that we do here at Verve, this teaching right here is the one that is going to just exponentially bless and impact your life, all right? So I want you to lean in this morning because it is so critical that you get this, all right? I'm going to bring a lot of clarity. So the first principle of the principle of first is the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. All right. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. All right. Now the question is, how do you know which one? Like here, God has given us two animals in two categories of animals, a donkey and a lamb. And the donkey represents everything that's unclean. All right, and the lamb represents everything that is clean. So he's saying that if you're a clean animal, your firstborn has to be sacrificed. 
But if you're an unclean animal, the firstborn has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean one. All right. So let me let me say this again for those taking notes. The first of your unclean has to be redeemed by the first of your clean. All right. You guys following me? So what does that mean for us today in this context? Everything in the Bible, Old and New Testaments, point to Jesus. So let me ask you two questions, all right? In this context, in the context of our birth here on earth, when we're talking about our relationship to God, His holiness, our sinfulness, were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean, exactly. All right? Because here's the thing, all right? So maybe you're like, well, I really don't know. How, I, how would I know? Here's the thing. Parents, do you have to teach your kids to be bad? <laughs> Some of y'all emphatically answer that. <laughs> like, I think Tyler Perry was on to something in 2009 when he, um, when he wrote a movie called I Can Do Bad All By Myself. Like, we don't need no help, do we? We don't need help being bad, but what's the thing that you have to teach your kids to do more than anything? Behave. Be good. What are the words that you find using more often than not? No. Stop. Don't. Right? You feel me? Maybe God feels that way about us too. Like, man, we're just, I just spend more time teaching them what not to do. So here's the thing. To answer your question, we were, we were born unclean. All right? We were born unclean. So here's another question. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Say clean. Clean. Okay. Yeah, good, good, good. We're, we're here. We're here. Yes. All right. So watch this. The clean, listen to me, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Right? And that's exactly what we just read. That's the principle of first. That's what it's talking about. It's this principle that runs all throughout Scripture. All right, so here's what God's saying. If you give me the first one, the rest will be redeemed. In other words, when, when your sheep has a lamb, don't wait until you have ten lambs to give me the last one or the one in the middle or the one you don't want. God said, give me the first one. Why? Why do you think God said, give me the first one? Because it takes faith to give first. It takes faith to give first. And that's everything about what God wants to teach you. If you, if you hear nothing from anything else I say today, I want you to understand that God does not need your money. All right? The very streets of heaven are paved with gold. We walk, we are going to be walking on the very thing that some of us on earth find most valuable. Like God said, that gold stuff, I ain't even worried about it. I use it as concrete and pavement in heaven. So I don't need your Benjamins to help pay for more potholes to be fixed in heaven because there aren't any. So God doesn't need our money. God wants our heart. And that's where giving starts. God's not concerned about your money. He's not concerned about the amount of your money. He's concerned about where your heart is in giving it. All right? So that's what tithing is. Tithing is this first 
10%. We talked about last week why God set up a 10% instead of an amount because it's fair to everybody. So if you didn't catch that, go back, watch that um, in last week's message. So, but it takes faith to give. Listen to me. It takes faith to give before you pay bills. It takes faith to give before you start to get. It takes faith to give before you even start to go forward. Now, here's the thing. You know what the number one reason that people say they don't tithe? Can't afford it. I can't afford it. But here's the thing. Tithing is not a loan option. Tithing is not this thing that you sit down with God as your financial provider or, or, or your financial planner or your loan officer or anything like that. Tithing is not this thing that you sit down with God and go, all right, God, let's work out this payment plan here. So I'm going to do this for the next 36 months. And if you don't do something, then I'm out. That's not the way this works. God is not a payment plan. Tithing is not a payment plan. Tithing is not tipping. Tithing is a heart condition. And here's the thing. If you continue to say that you can't afford it, you'll never be able to afford it. Because tithing is not something that you afford to do. Tithing is something that takes faith to do. All right? Now, here's the thing. Tithing is what removes the curse and opens the windows of heaven, right? Malachi chapter 3 is what we read last week. So God is not the one that's cursing you, all right? We already live in a cursed world. That's what we grow, that's what we're born into. This world is already cursed. God wants to redeem you from the curse, all right? And, and I'm doing a lot of recap just so that you can tie into what we're talking about today. And last week, we talked about, you know, Yes, our souls, our spirits are already redeemed, that's salvation. But then God wants to redeem also the finances. Because here's the thing I've heard nearly all of my ministry life. Money or ministry follows money. And so the thing is, a lot of people say, well, you know, Shane, I just, I don't give to the church. I give to this organization or I give to this person or I give to a community or I give to this. Well, that's fine, but those types of things are over and above your tithe because God commands the tithe to come into the storehouse. And the storehouse is the church. All right? And, and here's the thing. You have to understand when the Bible talks about a curse, it's saying that you are cursed with a curse because you've not brought the tithe into the storehouse. So God isn't cursing us. We live in this cursed world already. God just wants to remove or redeem our finances out from under the curse. So how does he do that? By honoring him with our first. All right, we're about to get into some, some real practical stuff here. So one of the things that Amanda and I get to enjoy in this season is teaching our kids how to give. And so my dad owns this um, Italianized shaved ice ice cream business called Sweet Taste of Summer. Shout out if you need some, you know, needs a, a party favor for your guests. Go ahead and look them up. <laughs> All right, and so my girls have been working with him, and they they worked with him for a little while now, and so just really this past year we started kind of talking to them about giving their tithes. Now, here's a phrase that we don't use in our house, and, and you can do whatever you want to with it, but we don't say pay tithes. 
Because it is not a bill. God is not a debt collector. All right? God is not going to repo or evict you for not giving. You are not going to be kicked out of heaven or, or anything like that if you choose not to give. That's on you. That's between you and God. But we don't say pay our tithes. We say give. And we're going to find out in just a little bit how even giving something, giving tithes is not really appropriate. But that's where we start. So we talk to them about giving first. And, and so when they get paid, we talk to them about, hey, you've got to take out God's portion first. Now, they're teenagers, and it's very difficult sometimes for them to understand that because in their minds, once they get paid, like a lot of us, come on adults, we already have that money distributed to the places that we need it to go. Whether it's for free expenditures or, or it's going out to eat or it's, you know, uh, paying the bank or paying the mortgage or paying the car payment or, or groceries, come on, or kids' school you know, supplies or trips or, or whatever the case. A lot of times we already pre-allocate our money and God gets the leftovers, doesn't he? That's not something we like to hear. And I know this is tough, but we're, we're doing this to kind of set this standard for our children. And because giving is a staple in our house, just like coffee is. It's one of the first things that we think of. Because we understand that God has done so much for our life, especially in those seasons where we had nothing. And the least we could do is give back to God what he already owns to begin with. And so as they start, as they get older, as our girls and, and even Canaan, as, when he starts making money, as, as they get older... We want this to be a standard for their living, but not just a standard for their living. We want it to be a standard for their choosing another young man that they'll start to date or, start, or marry one day. Because you know what? And this is going to be really strong. I don't want my kids marrying a thief. You know what I'm saying? I don't want them to become entrapped in a relationship 10 years into their marriage and can't get out because they don't want a divorce or they don't want this or this and this and, and money's the only thing that's going on. And they say, well, I can just live with that. Because Malachi says, will a man rob God? That's what we talked about last week. And so I want them to understand that this is the standard for your life. If that young man... Or in Canaan's case one day, that young lady, if number one, they don't have their life right with God, and number two, they're not tithers and givers, then you don't need them. And I know that's strong to say, and you say, well, Shane, what if they miss out on a great opportunity? Can't people change? Yes, people can change. But come on, we are not missionary dating anymore. We are not missionary marrying, marrying people anymore. We are setting a standard for ourselves, church. So set the bar high. Listen, Amanda and I, this is not to toot our own horn, but I just want you to understand where we come from. We have always been tithers. Always. My parents taught me how to tithe. I, we were tithing before we got married. And honestly, this wasn't even a discussion before we got married. I wish it would have been. But we were tithers before we got married. We were tithers when we couldn't afford it. We were tithers when we needed groceries and gas. We were tithers 
And I kid you not, we were tithers when we literally had six cents left in our checkbook. I know a story of a couple who made out their bills one night. And they didn't have any money left over in their, to, to give their tithe check. And they said, wait a minute, we did this wrong. Let's go back and write the tithe check first and then give and then pay our bills. I kid you not, I, this is God's math, not mine. They went back, they scratched it all, they wrote the tithe check. And then they went back and allocated all their funds to their bills and they still had money left over. Whereas before, they didn't even have money left to give God. Tell me how that worked. I don't know. Maybe they didn't carry the one or something the first time, but I don't know. <laughs> Tithing is a faith walk, guys. Like, I'm just trying to be real practical. Tithing is a faith walk. And that's all it'll ever be. So if you ever think, when I'm going to finally get to the place in my life where I can afford to tithe. I can afford to give. It's just been some hard times lately. Listen, I got grace for you. God's got grace for you. But tithing will always be a faith walk. And it will never activate a deeper level in your faith until you start it, even when you don't have it. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching on prosperity. Notice I haven't said anything about give to get because it's all about the heart. All right? So the Bible says... Bring the tithe into the storehouse, right? It's the only place in the Bible that God says, Test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great that you can't contain. But here's the thing we love the blessing, but are we committed to the bringing? Look at your neighbor right now and say, Neighbor, bring it on. Now, I got a picture I want to show you. I think we have it. And, um, I want, to, I want to explain this picture right here. Do we have that football picture? It's okay. It's okay. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll detail it. So there's a picture that I wanted to show you. It's, um, you know, I think it's of the Falcons, actually. And <laughs> I know, right? And, and so Matt, Matt Ryan is, is back to, to throw the ball. And... The offensive line has got the defense pinned up, and he's looking for an open receiver to throw it into the end zone nonetheless. And the picture, you've probably seen it floating around. The picture is Matt Ryan like this, looking for receivers. His O-line has them all pinned down, and there is a straight path that he could literally walk through from where he's standing to the end zone. And, and it's like, dude, what are you thinking right now? Like, just run the ball there. Go to the end zone. And I think that's the way God may look at us sometimes, especially in our tithing, especially in our giving. Like God says, listen, I am rebuking the devourer. Those defensive linemen are coming after you. They're trying to take you out. They're trying to sack your life. Come on, somebody. They're trying to put you down. But I have pinned them down. I have put their backs against the wall and have made a path forward for you. But you're still looking to do it your own way. You're still looking for your own receiver. And I'm just telling you to walk it in. I'm just telling you to bring it in. And you're looking for blessings 
from this place. You're looking for blessings for this place and this place and this person and this person and this person. And all I'm asking you to do is just bring it. Bring it. Come on, look at your neighbor again and say, bring it. See, not only does God say, not only does God say, and I got to get on, but I just really, not only does God say that test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven, but he also says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That doesn't mean that the devourer won't ever come. That doesn't mean that Satan himself won't try to come and destroy your life because that's who he is. Okay, you see it? Perfect. Yeah, just kind of leave that up. Let that marinate and soak in for a minute. All right? And I want you to picture you as Matt Ryan. So you got a choice. You can throw it your way or you can do it God's way. Either way. (laughs) That's the greatness about God because he gives us the choice, doesn't he? And so here's the thing. The devourer comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's his job description, church. Satan's job description is to take you out of this world. But God says, I will rebuke the devourer from your sake, for your sake. All right, point number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All right, Exodus 23, 19. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. All right, listen. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord. Where? To the house of the Lord. So here's the thing. We give to missions, the homeless, and all sorts of places. And all of that is good, but it has to be the over and above your tithe. Because the tithe, listen to me, church, by biblical standards is brought into the storehouse. Notice the word bring. Why does God choose to use the word bring? Because you can't give something that's not yours. Like God already said, hey, I blessed you with it. All I need you to do is walk it into the end zone. I already put the ball in your hand. It's not your ball to begin with. Like those football players, the quarterback, they don't take that ball home. The ball belongs to the game. The ball belongs to the NFL. The ball belongs to the coach or whatever. Their job is to just get it down the field. Their job is to just put it in the end zone. So church, God has already blessed your life. He's already put the ball in your hands. All he wants you to do is just bring it. Bring it. And so with tithing, here's here's the thing. You can either bring it or you can steal it. And those are the only two options. All right. The principle here is, is scripture. So when the Israelites were going into the promised land, the Lord said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho. Why? Because Jericho was the first city. He's saying, you bring the first one to me, and I will redeem the rest. He didn't say, go capture ten cities and then bring me the first one. He said, listen, it takes faith to give first. So Jericho's your first city, so bring me all the gold and the silver from Jericho. 
I'm sure they were probably thinking, okay, uh, this doesn't make sense, God. You led us to this city. You allowed us to take it over. You allowed us to conquer it. But now you're not allowing us to keep any of it. Because God said, if you give first, then I'll bless your life greater. I've got more for you. All right. This story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, 3 through 5 has always puzzled me. Because when, when I was younger... I read the part where God didn't accept Cain's offering. And I thought, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, Abel brought an offering. Cain brought an offering. Why did God not accept Cain's? And, and then I thought, well, okay, I, I got super spiritual for a minute. I thought, all right, well, it's because that God wanted the blood sacrifice. Because Abel brought the lamb, the, the, the sacrifice from the lamb. And then Cain brought fruit and vegetables. So I'm like... God doesn't do fruit and vegetables, my kind of God, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but that wasn't it at all. That wasn't it at all. Because, see, God's not concerned about the what or the how much. He's just concerned about where it comes from. And so the scripture, the language, the context around that says that Cain, after some time, brought an offering. So just any old offering. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. So it's not what the offering was. It's where it came from. And you can tithe off $100,000. But if it's not the first, then it's not going to be honored. I mean, you know, God will still appreciate, I guess, what you give. But remember, it's not about the amount. God's not concerned about the amount. He wants your heart. So you think, okay, why couldn't God just like give Cain a pass in that moment. Like, you know, Cain brought an offering. So I hear, I hear people say, well, at least he brought something, right? Well, at least he brought something. Some people don't even give nothing. And that's not the way God works. Like God, God is just not that kind of God. So I want to break this down for you, all right? We're going to go uh, a bit deeper. So if you're taking notes, hold on. All right. So because God is sovereign doesn't necessarily mean that he can do whatever he wants. I know, I know. Just take a deep breath for a minute. Well, God is God. He could always do. Yes, God is God. But God can't act outside of his character. God cannot act outside of his character. And, and one of the characters of God is that he's the truth. Like, he didn't just inspire the truth. God himself is truth. Not just a part of it, but the whole thing. And so what I'm saying is that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. I had this conversation with, with um, Carsey yesterday, and she goes, so like you're telling me even if God wanted to, he couldn't? I said, sweet girl, it is physically impossible for God to lie because lie can't come from truth. Like it just doesn't come out it doesn't even get in. And she goes, whoa. Here's some other things that God can't do. God can't change. Mm. That's called the immutability of God. And here's the reason that God can't change. Because when things change, they get better, don't they? And God can't get better because he's always the best. Come on. That should have been a bigger amen than that. Some of y'all nervous right now, me saying God can't do stuff. Something else God can't do might shock you. God can't think like you do. God doesn't think like we do. That's called the, that's called the omniscience of God. 
omni meaning all, and science meaning knowledge. God knows everything at the same time. Don't try to process that. You're going to bust something later. Don't try to process that. God knows everything at the same time. And the way that we think, people, the way that we think is to what? Figure stuff out. God doesn't think like that. God doesn't have to figure anything out. God already knows what's going to happen. And not only does God have it already figured out, he already has it worked out. Come on, that should be some good news for somebody. See, he's already got it. Now, here's, here's back to why God couldn't and can't accept Cain's offering. Because it wasn't first. And that's called the preeminence of God. Pre means before. Eminence means first or all or superior. So God is literally before the first. And so God cannot be second. Right? I feel like a, there's like a saying coming to my mind. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> God cannot be second. He will not be second. Because God is first, and he's always been first, and he always will be first. So whether God's first in your life or not doesn't change anything about him still being first overall. All right, so God only accepts things that are first when we put him first, when we give first, when we make him first in our life, all right? Number three, number three, and this is the last one. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30 says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? The Lord, and must be set apart to him as holy, all right? So let me give you an example here, and I'm not a math person. I've never really been a math person, but over the course of my life, I've had to adapt myself deeply to not loving math, just accepting math. All right, so not real hard here, all right? Not real hard. So let's say you make $1,000 before tax. I don't care whether it's a week or a month or a year. Let's just use that as a round number. All right, you make $1,000 before tax, and that's important to understand, before tax, because that's where it comes from. It comes from what you earn first, not what you bring home, all right? Told you we we're getting practical, all right? So you got $1,000 pre-tax, 10 $100 bills. Which one do you give? Which one's first? Hey, if you want to give all of it, go on, come on. <laughs> close whichever one leaves your hand first whichever one leaves your hand first all right so i don't want i don't want us to get legalistic or religious about this you know but here's the thing the tithe has to be which one leaves your hand first which means don't give god's portion to the bank don't give god's portion to your car payment don't give God's portion to the school. I love schools. I love teachers. Just putting that out there. Don't give God's portion to your community. Don't give God's portion anywhere else because it belongs to him. Here's the thing. You say, well, Shane, if, if, why does it really matter? Because God blesses the first. God blesses that sacrifice. And God doesn't do leftovers and he doesn't do second place. Because here's the thing, the bank doesn't have the power to bless your life. 
The bank has the power to put you in debt. And God has already paid the debt for you. See, I think a lot of us have been trying to give God some leftovers and wondering why this tithing thing that you keep hearing about and actually trying to do isn't working for you. Because here's the thing, church. God doesn't do tips. Tithing is not tipping. Tithing is a percentage. And tithing is the first part, the first percentage. And so I told you that Amanda and I have always been tithers. We've always been givers. So I want to tell you a story about something that kind of happened. I told you earlier that when God said, I'll rebuke the devourer, that it doesn't mean the devourer is not going to come for your life, right? So last summer, our air conditioner started going out. And then our refrigerator started going out. And our dishwasher had been out for quite some time. <laughs> yes. And then we had some medical bills start coming up. And I'm not really one to get bound down by money. Because I'm not really the money handler in our relationship. But Amanda is. And, and when she gets wound up about it, I get wound up about it. I start saying stuff to the kids like they can control it. <laughs> I start doing stuff around the house like that's going to fix it. <laughs> and so our air conditioner was going out and, and we met with a representative from the, um, the air conditioner company and some of us need to go into that business. I'm just saying that is a lucrative business right there. And we just did not have that kind of extra money laying around to allocate towards that and so you know against our better judgment we were like yeah okay I guess we'll just go ahead and bite the bullet and do it we still needed to get a refrigerator bless Carsey's heart she's been hand washing dishes for about two years so we needed to get a dishwasher in there and then last summer we came home from vacation to find out that our hot water heater had gone out and it had leaked water all over our basement. So I'm not immune from anything that happens in real life. I just want you to know that. It's how you respond that matters. And of course, you know, we got a little discouraged and we're like, you know, we, we learned a long time ago, never ask the question, what's next? Or what else can go wrong? Don't ever ask that question because you might find out. And so we just started, you know, we bit the bullet on the air conditioner. We knew we needed a fridge. We knew we needed all this. And we're just thinking, like, it's just not adding up. Like, I don't know how we're going to be able to make all this happen. And then God. And then God. We had an unexpected visit from some family who had to, unbeknownst to us, come into a large sum of money, and I mean a very large sum of money, sat down with us and kind of shot the breeze for a little bit and said, well, we just came over. Um, 
because we wanted to give you guys some of this. They had kind of told us the story about how they came into the money and said, you know, we just, we wanted to give our kids a portion of it. And so we just, you know, we felt like this was, um, you know, uh, a good portion for you guys. And when I tell you that God will rebuke the devourer off your life, I mean it. I don't mean you won't ever have to go through stuff, but I do truly mean that God will put his hand over your life and protect you and bless you. And the amount that they gave us paid for the air conditioner completely. Still had money left over to get the fridge, to get the dishwasher, to pay for some medical bills, and to be able to bless a family for Christmas, something that we had always prayed that we'd be able to do. And I don't tell you that to say, oh, look at what's happening in my life. No, I'm saying look at what can happen in your life. When you trust God all the way in, all the way, God said, I will rebuke the devourer off your life. Now listen, Exodus 13, 14 says, and this is, this is kind of putting it all together. And in the future, so after you've gone through your hardships and, and you're raising kids and teaching them how to be generous and how to be givers, in the future, your children will ask, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? Then you'll let them know with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. This is what it's like to pass down generosity and giving to the next generation. That this story, the context, what it looks like is the child, the son or the, da the daughter is watching the dad see the firstborn lamb or the firstborn calf or the firstborn goat of the herd whatever watch it being born and then seeing the dad go into the barn and slaughter it and offer it up to God and the son or daughter later on seeing all that all of its life going up to the dad going you know dad because let me just put this pin in there if you're married that's where it starts with the husband husband's got to be givers first and so the son or the daughter comes to the dad and goes dad all these years I have watched you kill this calf or, or this lamb or this goat or this thing or this thing when, when this, is, this one could grow up and give us ten more calves to provide for our family why do you kill it and the dad looks deeply into their child's eyes and says because there was once a time in our life where we had nothing and no one and we were slaves to everything but God but God came in and redeemed my life and this is the least that I can do for him so why don't you stand with me this morning I just want to I just want to pray over us today I just want to pray over us because I feel like there's some people in here you're going through some struggles and, and nine times out of ten we say struggles we always think financial but there's some other things going on in people's lives in here 
There's people going through some financial struggles. There's people going through some marital struggles. There's people going through some family struggles. There's people going through struggles at school, struggles with friends. Some of you feel like you're barely even keeping your head above water. Life is, is just trying to overtake you. And I want to tell you that being a tither, yes, being a tither will change everything in your life. It may not change the attacks from coming. It may not keep the devil off your back. In fact, if you start tithing today, I can 100% guarantee you that the devil's going to attack you this week. I'm not, I'm not holding any, any punches back. I'm letting you know how it's going to work. But I will tell you that your life will be deeper and richer and more rooted than it's ever been before. Because when you start sowing seed, and that's what tithing is, sowing seed into God's kingdom, the roots that come out of that seed are unlike anything that you've ever experienced in your life. It holds you. It keeps you. When the storms come and they try to toss you, and they try to destroy you. It holds you firm in your place. So when the storm is over, you're still standing. You're not leaning. You're not broken. You're still standing. Say, Shane, tithing can do all that? Yeah. I'm going to give you something else. Tithing can also fix your marriage. Tithing can also fix your job. Tithing can also fix your kids. And it's not the actual physical money that does it. It's the faith to trust God for what you can't see and where you don't know you're going. Faith, tithing will do all of that, I promise you. Because it's not about the amount, it's about your heart. And so if you're in here today, say, Shane, that's me. I want to take that faith step with God. Then I want to pray for you. You don't have to get out of your seat. You can stay right where you are. And if you're thinking about starting to tithe, but you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I tell you, that's where your blessed life starts today. Your blessed life starts today by having a relationship with Jesus Christ, first and foremost. All right, so I want to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God, we just come to you right now, Father. We thank you. We worship you. We praise you. God, I want to ask, Lord, that you would touch those in this room right now, God. God, that are about to step out on faith and start trusting you in an in a area of their life that maybe they've never trusted you before. God, maybe they've never even considered the thought of how important and personal tithing really is to you. So God, without this being about money or an amount, Lord, I just want to ask that you would just begin to touch their hearts right now. God, just begin to, to shape and mold and massage and condition their heart, Father. God, maybe they came from a religious background and, and tithing has always been an obligation, God. But today, Father, God, today you're going to turn them into cheerful givers, joyful givers, willing givers, Father. God, and not just givers of their treasure. God, givers of their time and their talent. God, givers in their decisions, Father. Givers in the way that they love their spouse, God. Givers in the way that they love their children. 
God, givers in the way that they give grace to people and mercy and forgiveness for people that have hurt them. God, they're going to be givers of the quality of work that they give tomorrow morning. Regardless of their conditions or situation, God, they're going to become generous, Father. Because, God, they're taking a step of faith today. They're taking a step of faith today. So, God, would you just bless them and keep them and touch them? And, God, I want to pray for someone right now, God, who's getting ready to start a faith journey with you, God. They're getting ready to start a relationship with you. God, they're going to step out in faith in just a few moments. Lord, and they're going to ask you to come and take over their life and every area that it has. And God, I know they don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. But Father, I know, God, that your plans, your ways, Father, are higher than our ways. God, you have a plan for us to prosper, a plan and a future, God, that won't harm us. It won't destroy us. But God, it'll keep us and our name written in the Lamb's book of life for eternity. So if that's you, if you say, Shane, that's me, I need to start my relationship with Jesus today before I do anything else. I want to live a blessed life. I want to invite you to pray this with me. And the entire church is going to pray this together. But you're going to pray this like your life depends on it because it does. So all together, come on, let's pray this together. Just open up your mouth and say, Dear God, I come to you now confessing my sin. I need you in my life. I want to live that blessed life. So I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and take away my sin and make me new again right now, today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Verb Church Podcast. We would love to help you take your next steps. If you made a decision to follow Christ, would like to be baptized, or are ready to connect with us, head over to myverb.church forward slash next steps and fill out our digital connect card. Our team will follow up and help you guide you on your journey with Christ.